Hello, this is Jimmy Campanis, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And boy, oh boy, do we have some tales for you today. As it's Davo, glad you are along for another edition of Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. And today, it's one of the original Royals who joins us on Clubhouse Conversation, Jimmy Campanis, who caught with the Royals from 1969 to 1970. Campanis, whose dad, Al, was the Dodgers GM at the time that he came over to the Royals. In fact, his own father traded him to the Royals. We'll talk about that and so much more, including the fact that his dad was a guy who helped discover Sandy Koufax, who played with Jackie Robinson in the minor leagues, and so much more. And now, Campy caught 61 games while in a Royals uniform. And then eventually would be traded in a well-known deal that landed the Royals' Freddie Patek from the Pirates. But so many baseball stories from Campanis, whose own son went on to be a third-round draft pick of the Seattle Mariners. We'll talk about that, going back to his dad, going on to his son, and a huge emphasis on his days here in Kansas City as Campanis joins us on Clubhouse Conversation. First of all, thank you, Jimmy, so much for taking the time. And how's everything going with you? Everything's going fine. Um, retired and playing golf on a regular basis, so it's pretty good. Yeah, you can't beat that. You're living out in California these days, too? Yes, Yorba Linda, California, 40 years. Same house. Oh, that's kind of cool. 50 years of the same wife. That's a good life right there. 50 years, same wife, 40 years, same house, lifetime baseball, right? You can't beat that. Now, speaking of baseball, you know, how exciting is it for you? I mean, you were here for a couple of years, you know, watching the Royals in the World Series last year and seeing them in first place this year. Is that, you know, kind of a source of pride and exciting for you to see? Of course it is. It's, uh, you know, the uh, being an original Royal, it, it, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's, it's when you're with all those guys at the beginning, it's really a fun thing. And to see them doing well is even better. Yeah. Well, are you, are you ready to take a trip way down memory lane and go way back? Well, you know, as you get older, I can remember things that happened 50 years ago. I just can't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> okay. So we should we should be in pretty good shape then, right? <laughs> I, remember, yeah, I can remember all that stuff. No problem. All right. Well, well, let's kind of start off by talking about your dad, Alvin. I find him, you know, be really, really a neat and fascinating man. So first of all, he was born in Greece and went to high school and college in New York City. So at what age did he come to the U.S.? And then how did your dad kind of get the baseball bug? Who was his big influence? Uh, he came over here when he was about 11. And in fact, uh, he met my mother in Greek school where they learned when they came over. Greek school is, when you, you go to Greek school to learn English. So I don't know why it's called Greek school, but that's what it was. They, and they met in Greek school uh, to learn English. And uh, they never, they never neither one of them both were born. And neither one of them ever spoke with an accent or anything else. So I guess Greek school worked out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then he went to high school in New York, and then he went to NYU High School, I mean NYU College there, and played baseball and football. And his roommate um, on road trips 
was a guy named Howard Cosell. Huh. So that was interesting. Uh, Howard was a reporter for the uh, high school, uh, for the excuse me, for the NYU uh, paper, and uh, so they roomed together a couple times. So that was cool. Wow, that's a small yeah. world. Yeah, and then he got into he, he was signed by uh, Branch Rickey. Um, he had a baseball and football opportunity uh, with the New York Giants, but they only paid five hundred dollars a game uh, in those days because it was, uh, you know, there was not a uh, a big league like it is today, like the NFL is today. <clears throat> Mr. Ricky offered him like seven hundred dollars uh, a month to play, so he decided to go uh, and play baseball. It was a great decision on his part. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, he, he reached the major leagues 1943 as a second baseman. Now, you weren't born until the year after that, obviously. But, I mean, do you have a favorite, you know, Brooklyn Dodgers story? Actually, I was born in 43. Oh, well, that's... Every, and all the, other, all the reports out there that says 44, some said 45, some said 46. Because every time you got traded, you wanted to be younger. <laughs> so we lowered, we lowered our age every time we got traded. In fact, my wife... Was, it was uh, was three years younger. Uh, she is three years younger than I am, and um, by the time I retired, she was a year older. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. So you were actually <laughs> you were actually technically alive then. I mean, do you have a favorite Brooklyn Dodgers story that he's told you? Well, I, um, I have a, my favorite uh, Brooklyn Dodgers story. You know, he roomed with Jackie Robinson on the road uh, when they were in the minor leagues, right? Uh, so. When, when I was about ten years old, um, maybe twelve years old, I said, "Dan, I'm going to do a story on a show and tell story on Jackie Robinson, and uh, uh, could you get me a bat or a ball from him so I could do the you know the show thing?" And he says, "What time is your story?" I said, "10:30. I'll get it for you." So um, I do my 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 whole story about Jackie Robinson being this and that and the first black man and you know all that stuff and how great a ball player he was and it was. A, I had it. Spent all night. I mean, a couple of days doing it. So I see my dad walk by. And, okay, because he's got my article. So I, the teacher says, "Jimmy, that your tell was great, but what do you have to show? Because you're not standing there." I said, "One second. I walk to the door, and in walks Jackie Robinson." <laughs> so uh, I mean, at that time he was a big one of the biggest stars in the, in the big leagues and in, in New York. I mean, my, my class was flabbergasted. I was flabbergasted. We shut the school down. He went to the auditorium, did a big speech. Uh, probably the only A I got in that class all year. <laughs> um, and Jackie Robinson showed up. So Mel Steiner, every time he not for the Dodgers, every time he sees me, he calls me show and tell. Because you can't have a better thing in, in, in your young life than have a star player come to your room as your as your show. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Now, so your dad also played, you know, the big leagues and then served our country in the U.S. Navy as well. Any, any cool war stories? Uh, not really. Um, the only thing he uh, was, because he was not born in the United States, and he was a college graduate, he couldn't be an officer. Um, uh, he, he did get his citizenship while he was in the Navy, uh, but he couldn't become an officer. That was his only regret. But, you know, he only, he only spent, uh, you know, three years there, so... Uh, then the war was over, so everything was okay, you know. And a uh, uh, yin and the yang to that was uh, he never left the United States because he he wasn't uh, an officer. So 
it wasn't a good thing that he wasn't out, but it was not a bad thing either. He never got to leave the United States and actually uh, do any of the fighting. So that was okay. Yeah, it worked out good. And it, you, I mean, we mentioned Jackie Robinson a second ago. So Montreal Royals, he played with him when he came back from the war. I mean, did, did he ever tell you about you know what Jackie went through and how awful it was? Was there, were there some awful stories of things that happened? Well, actually, Montreal in Montreal, it's uh, the, the it's it's a French Canadian uh, province, and they all speak French there, and they're not a prejudiced um, city or town or whatever there. So that part wasn't tough. Um, as they played around the league, it was tougher on the road. And, of course, you know, the, all the stories you've heard about have to eat in the, in the bus and all that stuff were true. Um, but at, at home, and you play happier games at home, it wasn't bad at all. Uh, but consequently, when he went to the big leagues, it was, that's where the, the tough part happened. Uh, yeah. It was really tough in the major leagues for Jackie. So... No, it went, uh, a quick story on that. Uh, Branch Rickey said to my dad, I want to make him a second base because we have P.B. Reese at, at third. We have, uh, you know, so I made a short. So I want to, we want to make him a second base and so work on his second base skills and let me know when he's ready. So he was showing Jack. You know, Jack is a former football player, basketball player, uh, track star. Um, I mean, he did it all. And so he calls Branch after about two weeks and he goes, uh, uh, Branch Rickey, who was his mentor, who who got him to the big leagues, says he told Branch. He said, "Branch, um, this kid is a great athlete. It took me about two weeks to show him the two different kinds of double plays, and he does them exceptionally well." Branch says he can't do it that well. He, says, he said he does. Branch. So Branch went up to Montreal, watched him play short, and I mean second base, and then uh, two or three weeks later, brought him up to the big leagues. Yeah, he was quite the athlete. He was a great athlete, right? I mean, you know, it's it's most baseball players are good athletes, but not all around great athletes, and he was. Now, whatever happened? I heard your dad had written a book called "My Turn at Bat" that never got released. I mean, is that still in the archives? What what happened with that? Yeah, we still own it, and uh, uh, you know, he wrote three books. Uh, two, you know, he wrote uh, "Dodgers Way to Play Baseball" that was published. Uh, uh, here in the United States, in uh, Japan, and all over the world, and then one called Roger the Dodger. Um, that really did a, 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 it's a for little leaguers and right in that area there, and that sold really well also. And we have rights that too. So we're we're thinking about putting those two out. Uh, the reason why uh, Mike Turner back did not um, because it's not the right time for all that stuff to be brought up again. I mean, it's been almost 30 years, you know, a couple of years from now, it'll be 30, 28 years. So uh, someday it might be the right time, but this isn't the right time. And, and I own rights to that, too. So. You, I mean, are you referring just to the interview that had happened with Ted Koppel on Nightline? Is that what you mean? Yes, yeah. About that. Do, is there anything you want to say about that or not really? Uh, I mean, uh, it, my dad was never a prejudiced guy. It just, uh, you know, sometimes you say something – it comes out wrong, and next thing you know, it, you know, you label some way. And he was never in, in his office. He had three pictures on the walls. He had Roberto Clemente, he had Sandy Koufax, and he had Jackie Robinson. Those the only three pictures in his office. I mean, does that sound like a guy that would be prejudiced to have a, you know, a black man, a, a Jewish guy, and a, and a, and a, a Latin player? Uh, and his, you know, that was that. And everyone that knew him uh, knew that. So that's about it. 
Yeah, that was ridiculous. So. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, let's, so let's get back to you then. So you're born in uh, in New York City, and then you go to high school right. in Fullerton, California, obviously. So, I mean, how old were you when you moved to California? I was a uh, sophomore in high school. I was about 16. And I was a big star in my freshman year in New York uh, on the baseball and football team, and I didn't want to leave under any condition. I mean, I was, you know, they were going to build a football team around me, a baseball team. I mean, I was a really good athlete. And I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. And the first week I came out to California, I said, what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> I mean, the weather it was great. I mean, baseball, my uh, freshman year on the varsity, we played uh, 12 games because of the rain and the snow and everything else. I get to California, and my first year here, we played 45 high school games <laughs> and 45 American Legion games. So I played 90 games that year, opposed to 9 or 10. And my skills jumped through the sky. That's why there's more guys that play in the big leagues that live in Florida and California, because you play so many games. Yeah, you what, have to get better. What was your uh, position in football? What did you play? I was, those days we went both ways. I was a fullback and a middle linebacker. Okay. In fact, a quick story. I, I was a really good football player, and USC was um, was – uh, was thinking about giving me a scholarship, so I went there and I meet this uh, this uh, line, linebacker coach, and he tells me, uh, you know, I'm going to make you the biggest, toughest, meanest linebacker we ever had. I'm going to put weights on you. You're going to be a killer. I weighed about 220. I'm going to put you're going to be 260. You're going to be a killer. You know, I'm going to shave your head. You're going to be, you know, one of the best linebackers we ever had. And as I'm driving home, I say to myself, you know, I love my hair. <laughs> and I mean, I had this big, dark, curly, you know, curly black hair. I love my hair. And I said, you know, I, I, so when I got home, I said, hey, Dad, what, what kind of baseball player are you? He said, well, you're a good baseball player, but you like football better. I said, well, maybe not. <laughs> so I went on and had a great, a great um, senior year. And uh, Buzzer Bavese came out and, and looked at me, uh, who was the general manager of the Dodgers then. And uh, Cincinnati and Boston, but those were days before the draft. So I, I didn't go through it. There wasn't a draft. You could just buy the players or you know, purchase the players anywhere you wanted. And Buzzy made me an offer that was the same offer as Cincinnati, and best thing I ever did, I signed with the Dodgers. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So you always read that uh, you know your dad was a great baseball scout too, and scouting director for the Dodgers before he was GM. So I mean, did he play much of a role in you signing with them, or not really? Um, well, he was a director, and, and and he was in charge of that. The scout designer was a guy named Kenny Myers, and Kenny Myers told my dad, you know, I don't know what he know what to give him because he's a good, good ball player, but we should have Buzzy look at him because I think someone's going to offer him some money. So Buzzy came out. The day Buzzy was there, came to the one game, I hit two home runs. So that was kind of a good thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, he really didn't play a big role in it. Um, because of the, uh, he he only looked at guys that, like I said, he would only being the, the director of the else, he would only look at the guys that would be, especially after the next year when we went through the draft. That's when his role became really big. Because before you could you could just buy someone that you like, you know, you could just up the ante and you know, like Kofax, we offered Kofax all the money in the world, and and to sign, um, but now. You know, now you got to go through a draft, and somebody has to draft you. So you have to have. That's why the Dodgers only like five organizations have their full scouting uh, department, and the Dodgers are still one of them. 
Yeah. Everybody else goes to the major league, the major league scouting department. I was going to ask you about uh, about Koufax too, because I mean, your dad's obviously one of the guys really credited with that. I mean, it was so. Did he basically discover him, and it was he the kind of the big you know guy that got him to L.A.? Yeah, it, you know, uh, my dad signed uh, Roberto Clemente. Really, uh, Tommy Davis. Yeah, Tommy Davis, uh, Sandy Koufax, and um, he went to Cuba and did a try uh, uh, a workout in Cuba with all these uh, not Cuba in Puerto Rico with all these Puerto Rican ball players. And as soon as he saw Clemente, boom, right there, we signed him. Now, we did something wrong when we – I shouldn't say that. We did – instead of putting him on the major league roster, we put him on the AAA roster, even though we gave him over 10000 to sign. So it, it – um, and at that time, you could draft one player off a AAA team. And the last place team was, um, um, was the Pirates. And – they went out, and one of their scouts saw uh, Roberto play on, on the Montreal Dodgers. 18-year-old kid on the on the AAA team. They didn't play him every day. They, they went out trying to hide him. In fact, they even took a guy named Joe Black, who was a pitcher, and put him on that roster because you only could lose one player from that roster. And they figured the Pirates would take Joe Black off, Black off that roster. And they did not. They, <laughs> they did their homework, and they took Clemente. Oh, we lost Yeah, we lost Clemente. Yeah, the rest so, is history. <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. And and another side to that, that same year, um, Buzzy sent my dad to look at a, a shortstop named Henry Aaron. <laughs> he goes, all right, so he goes to look at him, and he comes back, and he says, this kid, I saw him in five games. He had four home runs. He can really, really hit. And Buzzy says to him, can he play shortstop? No, he's not a shortstop, but he's a good athlete. You know, you can put him in the outfield, but he can really hit. Because I don't need another outfielder. I got enough. And and the rest of the history again. They did not take him because they could have bought him for for fifty thousand, <laughs> and they did not get him. They did keep him. How about having Clemente and, and Aaron in your outfield for <laughs> oh fifteen my. years? Gosh. I know. How many I know, I know. How many world championships were lost from not doing those two things, right? Exactly. Well, we, you know, we did the, the we thought for sure that the Pirates would take Joe Black who was 10 and 1 in the big leagues that year and they put him on that roster for that reason. <laughs> and cuz only one guy could be taken from that roster and they somehow they figured, you know, they're they're hiding this 18-year-old kid for a reason. So they decided to go with Clemente, and boy, were they right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and by the way, and by the way, my dad was right. Aaron never played a single minute of shortstop in the big league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he did a lot of other things pretty good, though. He was also right about the home runs, right? Right, yeah. Hit just a few of those. So so nineteen sixty two to sixty five. So you're in the minor leagues, Saint Petersburg, Salem, and Albuquerque. You hit three hundred uh two of those years. You had sixteen home runs at Salem in nineteen sixty four. So when you look back to those first few years before you played in the big leagues, you know, what sticks out about your first few years in the minor leagues? Well, um they give you a number and a letter in spring training. Okay, and according to your where you are in the charts. Um, I was uh, X-15. A-1 is the number one catcher in the, in the minor leagues, and I was X-15. So I was, I was down by, the, you know, we had 54 of us. I was probably 51, 2, 3, or 4. 
And uh, after my second year in Salem when I hit 300, I came to spring training and I was uh, C10. <laughs> I had jumped over uh, about 45 players, 45 catchers. <laughs> and then my second year when I hit the 16 home runs, I went. I, I was now A1. I was the number one prospect in the, as far as the catch is concerned in the Dodger organization. And that worked out pretty good, and I finally ended up getting to the big leagues with the Dodgers. Yeah, it sounds like a game of Battleship, right? C ten D three. Yeah, well, that's well, that's how they that's how they, they knew who you were because it was my first year. We had five hundred and sixty players in spring training. We oh. had three AAA teams, uh, and the, the they played a little World Series, what they call in the AAA in those days. And the Dodgers, one year, their Montreal team played the Omaha team, which was AAA in those days. Omaha Dodgers. In the Little World Series, they had two teams. One won the International League, and one won the American Association. They played Little World Series together. That's how many great players the Dodgers had in the organization. Yeah, wow. So you and then you caught on uh, three minor league pennant winners too in four years as well. So the first one, Seattle in 1966. That's of course you get your first call to the big leagues that September as well. So take us back to when you first got called up to the big leagues. So where were you at when you got the news? Who told you? And what do you remember about that moment? Um, if I told you, Tommy, you would never believe it. <laughs> uh, we win the we win the title. It was an Angel affiliate at the time. The Dodgers had loaned me to the Angels because someone had an injury and they needed a catcher to, to catch there. And um, so the Dodgers had loaned me out to the Angels. The, on the final game of the international, I mean the uh, uh, Pacific Coast League title. Uh, I'm in the clubhouse, the game's over. Bob Lemon was the manager, and Bob Lemon calls me in his office, and standing next to Bob Lemon is Gene Autry. <laughs> and Gene Autry looks at me and says, said, Jimmy, I just got a call from uh, Peter O'Malley, or I mean, Walter O'Malley, and they're calling you up to the big leagues. And I said to myself, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, Bob Lemon, Gene Autry telling me I'm going to the big leagues. And that's how I found out that I was going to the big leagues. Wow. And then you got in one game, you know, that year, one at bat. It was a ground out to second right. base against John Morris. Do you remember that at bat? I bet you do. Yeah, but I thought it was a ground out to third base. Oh, maybe it was. <laughs> that's just what the box score well, like. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, it might it might have been, it, it, but I, all these years I've been telling people it was a ground out to third base. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you don't, you know, you try not to remember your outs. You only remember your hits. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but the big, the biggest thing involved in that year was that game, the one game that I played. It was the last Sandy Koufax's last win in Dodger Stadium, uh, and I caught his last win at Dodger Stadium, and nobody knew he was going to retire because he had such a great year, but he did, and. Um, so every time he has, a, they have a bobblehead day here or something here. I I get to catch him because I was the last catcher to catch his last win in Dodger Stadium. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, now the next year then, so 1967. So you broke camp with the Dodgers. You spent the entire season at the big league level. I mean, how exciting! And you know, what do you remember about the 1967 season the most? Well, we really struggled without Sandy that year. Um, he was not supposed to retire. He was a great pitcher. He was only 32. Um, and we struggled that year. 
and uh, we tried all kinds of combinations and different things. And uh, uh, Drysdale was Drysdale, of course. He always did well. Uh, and uh, uh, I was uh, I pinch hit that year. I led the team in pinch hits. I had two pinch hit home runs. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a, a uh, you know, uh, I was happy as heck when we broke camp. Um, and it, it just ended up uh, we didn't have a great year that year. I've actually uh, got the answers in front of me of those pinch hit home runs. Can you name both pitchers they were off of? I cannot. No? It was Bob Henley and Larry Jaster. Larry, oh, I remember the Larry Jaster one because <clears throat> Larry Jaster had, set, had, had uh, shut us out uh, four games in a row that year. And Buzzy Bavese said, whoever uh, knocks in the first run, I'm going to give $500 to. <laughs> And I had a pinch hit home run, and he gave me the five hundred dollars, <laughs> and that was a lot of money in those days. That's great. That's a cool way of yeah. doing bonuses. Just paid straight out. Um, now, John Drysdale was on that team. Uh, another guy I wanted to ask you about, since he, you know, kind of a local connection here, is Ryan Lefevre is the Royals play-by-play radio and TV, and his dad Jim was on that team. What was Jim Lefevre like? Well, Jim and I roomed together in minor leagues for two years. Uh, in fact. Uh, we had a roommate named Roy Gleason who got called up to the big leagues in 63. And we're coming down the, uh, over the grapevine in California here in Roy's car when he is batting in the big leagues. And he gets a base hit. And that car went from one lane to three other lanes, back and forth. And yellow, so, so much that our roommate, our roommate, you know, five days ago, hits a, you know, gets a base hit in the big leagues. So that was kind of cool. Jimmy was a great, Jimmy was a, um, outstanding uh, 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 roommate, also an outstanding ball player. Um, Duke Snyder came to town, and there was there was three of us on that team: Roy Gleason, Jimmy Lefevre, myself, that were playing the big leagues, and he was showing us how to hit. And he worked with Lefevre about four or five minutes, and he's up you know, when he's batting right handed, switched on left handed four or five minutes, and he said, "Okay, you're done." And Lefevre says, "Why?" He says, "Nothing I can show you." <laughs> There's nothing I can tell you. And uh, he worked for the wife for about two hours, but he worked for the for about five minutes, and that was it. Because <laughs> Lefebvre had such a great swing, both right-handed and left-handed. Yeah, and he went on to manage the Mariners and got a raw deal there, takes him to 500, they fire him. <laughs> Which yeah, I... then, then, well, another thing, too, you know, he's rookie of the year. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and uh, he hit... 20 home runs one year with the Dodgers, which is, at Dodger Stadium, as big as it was, that was a big, big feat to hit that many home runs in, in one year. So, yeah. Well, 1968 then. So you're mainly at AAA Spokane that year. You caught a pennant winner again, and then you got back to L.A. Uh, four games. So the 68 season, was that kind of disappointing that you weren't up in the big leagues more? Well, I think what happened was um, – we decided to go with two catchers. Usually we went with three. We went with two catchers because we were re- rebuilding, and they wanted me to play more. And, I, and uh, so I thought, okay, because they, they got um, Tom Haller. They traded Rose Rowe and they had Tom Haller. So uh, he was an older older guy, too. So they wanted me to play more behind the plate and to improve my catching. So that was okay. Uh, and then I got called up at the end again. 
And then uh, I'm excited about December 15th of 68. So the expansion Royals were just a couple of months away from, you know, taking the field for spring training for the first time. And then, you know, the old classic story that your dad trades you to the Royals. So, I mean, first of all, how much business did you and him talk? I mean, as far as plans that the Dodgers had for you, and were you surprised by that trade to the Royals? Well, here's the deal. My dad calls me up. I'm playing winter ball in uh, Mexico. And that's what we did. Most players that were, um, uh, you know, that went starters in the big leagues went to Mexico because you could make as much money there as you did in the big leagues the year before, which is hard to believe. But some of those guys over there that own the rum companies and own all the stuff, they have a lot of money. So I would was going to make, you know, eight or nine thousand in winter ball. So I went to winter ball. The when my dad said to me he was probably going to become the general manager in November, December, and that um, the Philadelphia Phillies had called him and wanted to know if I would play for them. I mean, wanted to know if he would trade them. So he said, you're probably going to go to the Philadelphia Phillies. I said, cool, you know. And I get a chance to play more and everything else. And then about a week later, um, I, I look in the paper, a Mexican paper, and they got a picture of me with a Kansas City Royal hat on. <laughs> I said, man, how in the heck did these guys put the wrong picture on my, you know. So for two weeks, I thought I was going to Philadelphia. And that's how I found out that I was going to Kansas City, is that my picture was in a paper with a superimposed Royals hat on. <laughs> and the funny part about it, too, the logo that they put on was not the Kansas City logo. It was just a big K and C next to each other. <laughs> you, know, you know how good-looking the Royal logo is, right, the KC is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, well, this wasn't like that. It was a big K and a big C next to each other, you know, like in in in. in uh, so it didn't look like a, any type of hat that I ever seen before. <laughs> and I was very happy to see the, the Royals hat was. And then I got a call from Cedric Tallis, the general manager. Somehow he hunted me down and he welcomed me to the organization, and uh, that we would talk as soon as I got home from Winterball. That is hilarious. And, but, yeah, and and uh, he. He only he lives in, he lived in Anaheim Hills and I live in Yorba Linda, which is about a mile and a half away. So we did our negotiations. I drove over there and we did our negotiations in his house, which was kind of fun. And were you pretty excited to come over to the Royals? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I was. Um, I really was for two reasons. One, um, I would. I thought I would get to play more. And two, um, I. I, I, I well, I didn't know at the time, but I was very happy when, when I met Mr. Coffin. What a nice guy he was. His wife, uh, it was just unbelievable, the owners. But Cedric was great. He, uh, you know, sat there with me for at least an hour telling me the guys that they have and, you know, how this guy would do and that guy would do and this guy would do. And so it was, it was like, you know, because my dad would never tell me any of that. You know, he was a very quiet guy about stuff like that. Um, but here the gentleman of the Royals is telling me, everything about the team and spring training was exactly like you said it was a great spring training we had that's so and, uh, cool and and you know um i kind of knew um i was fighting a guy named ellie rodriguez for the for the starting job uh and we alternated for a while back and forth and, and until i got injured um but that was a uh it was it was a great day my my first uh, we flipped the coin, and he won the toss. So he started the first game. Huh. And uh, and um, I was very lucky. I, I got the first pinch hit for the Royals. I pinch hit 
got a base hit, knocked in a run, and we ended up winning in extra innings the first and the second game. Yeah. So yeah. here we are. Here we are, brand new team, and we have two wins under our belt. Yeah, pacing for pacing for a hundred, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're that's right. You can't win the win them all unless you win the first one, right? <laughs> who were uh, who were who were some of the uh, Royals teammates that you kind of headed off with right off the bat? Um, Lou Pinella, uh, um, being an ex football player and, uh, and and a kind of a tough guy, uh, Lou was kind of uh, out there, and um, and so in spring training they roomed us together because they were afraid he was going to. You know, uh, towards you know, he didn't get there till till the end. But I roomed him for a while. Lou ended up being a uh, you know an outstanding manager. But he, you know, he did a lot of crazy things as a player. Uh, but they all had a purpose to him. And he ended up being the rookie of the year and, and an outstanding player. Uh, Ellie Rodriguez and I, even though he's another catcher, he and I got along great together. Um, uh, Jim Rooker and I were buddies. Paul Shaw. Uh, there was a lot of players that you know ended up being lifelong friends off the off, the, off that original team. How about uh, how about Joe Gordon? What was he like? Um, Joe Gordon was um, he was a uh, the old school type guy. Uh, he was not a you know. Um, he was not a small ball guy. He wanted home runs. He wanted this. He wanted that. And as far as the uh, bunting and all that stuff goes, that was not his strong point. But he did a great job with our young pitchers. I mean, he did. Uh, he and uh, yeah, Harry, they, they did a great job with our young pitchers. And, then, um, and that's, why, that's why we did pretty good for an expansion team. Yeah. Really good, and then so so 1969. You were like we talked about at both KC and at Omaha. I want to just talk about Omaha for a second. So Jack McKeon, young manager there, another pennant winning team at Omaha. So what was the experience like for you? How'd you like Rosenblatt Stadium, and what do you remember about playing there? Well, as soon as I got there, um, I just came off uh, uh, an injury, and uh, and Jack said, "Hey, I need you really bad. As soon as you're ready to go, you know, you're in there." And and I need you to catch our young pitchers. And I said, okay. And I, we did very, very well. We just smoked everybody. I mean, it was just, the stadium was great. That was the stadium that they played the um, College World Series at. Yep. And now I guess they have a, a world-class uh, Major League Stadium in, in uh, Omaha. Yeah, they have a new one, yep. Yeah. It was, a, it was a great experience. Jack was a really, really likable uh manager he he had um jack was a little heavy he was probably in a for his height and everything else he was probably 250 260 and you know he sat and talked to me one day and he you know not what it took took for me to get to the leagues. what did it take for him to get to the big leagues i so i told him this and i said it wouldn't hurt to lose weight and he looked at me right in the eye and he goes you know you're the first person that told me that i said well I mean, and then within four months, he lost like 60 pounds. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, on, and he ended up being a great manager and general manager. Yeah, yeah. We we spoke with him a couple months ago. Quite the character, too. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's always, you know, but he, 
he really treated the players like he was like you know a lot of managers don't like to go out to dinner with them or don't like to do. Jack was right there. If he saw you eating, he walked up and said, "Hey guys, mind if I join you?" No, I'll go right ahead. Because a lot of times he picked up the tab, which was very good in those days. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he he was a nice nice guy. Uh, I kind of knew he was managing a big league someday because his style of managing led well to um, young kids because he let them know every day about you know their uh, you know, where they stood and everything else. A lot of managers that I played for uh, would not let you know where you're at. You know, he would let you know exactly every day. Hey, you're going to be my starting pitcher. You know, you're going to be my outfielder. You're going to be my bench hitter. You know, everybody knew their role. And then when you know that, then you, you can you can deal with it. You know, when you don't know what's happening, the manager doesn't talk to you. You know, and and you know all that time and all that stuff changes because guys get injured, guys get traded. Um, that's why a guy like Jack lasted so long because all the players believed in him. Well, so 1969, as far as the major league level, you know, anything else stick out about that first year other than the first couple games there? Well, we knew we had some good ball players, and then Lupino ended up being Rookie of the Year. Uh, we had some good pitchers. We had uh, uh, our uniforms. You know, they're almost carbon copies of the Dodger uniforms, mm-hmm. uh, especially the, the road ones. Just the same thing they said, and then the script with Kansas City across the front was the same as the Dodgers across the front. The, they, I think, they have. I think that they have one of the best uniforms in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bright, bright white and the blue, it, it is, and, the, and the logo is, is unbelievable. You know who made that logo, don't you? No. Hallmark. Oh, really? Yeah. they got Cedric showed it to me. They had three of them. You see, uh, this is Hallmark. So what do you think? And I said, it's great. And that's the one that they use. I didn't know that. I've never heard that. Yeah. Yeah, the Hallmark made the uh, logo. I love that they've kept it the same all the years too. That's that's been oh, great. Oh sure. Well, it was a, it, you know, a classy logo is a classy logo. Whether it lasts a thousand years or you know, and a bad one is a bad one. But that, <laughs> that one, you know, like the Oakland A's have to have an elephant <laughs> in, in the middle of there. What the heck is that about? How about the how about those Army jerseys the Padres rock out sometimes? Those things are awful. Those <laughs> camo oh, looking yeah, ones. I know, I know, but you know. They, down there's a lot of people in the, in the service, so yeah. you know, it, it, yeah, the, you know the fact that I played in the minor leagues with a team called the Tulsa Oilers, and their uniforms were all black because <laughs> oil, with, with, yeah, and red letters, right? And uh, and some of the players, I mean, just hated that uniform, especially you know, in Tulsa in the summertime. You play a day game, it's about 110, and you're in a black uniform. <laughs> Black socks, black hat, black everything. That's even worse. <laughs> so, but the, the Royals uniforms, we're very, very pleased with how they turned out. And you know, if you if you look good or feel good in a uniform, you know, you, you you seem like you play better. Yeah, exactly. You look better losing too if you lose. <laughs> so that's the other yeah, good thing. True. Uh, so after '69, so you went to the Dominican Republic and played with is it Lycee? Is that how you say that? What was that like? Let's say, yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, uh, um, we won that year. We won everything. We got, uh, we did, went to the Caribbean World Series. I had a great year. Uh, and I, I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to have a great year in the big leagues the next year. And I started out, um, uh, and 
the season ended February the 6th, and we had to report to spring training February the 9th, which is my birthday. So I had two days off. So I come to spring training in the great, in great shape because I just finished playing baseball. And I had to gear down like crazy because all these guys that came from back east, they, you know, they were lily white and they were, you know, they had to get in shape. And it was a tough transition to go from playing, you know, in, in, in playing shape. Now we have to do the exercises and do all the things like the other guys did. And that was a little different because the first time that's ever happened to me that I played so late in the winter season. But we had a good, we had a good spring training. Uh, Bob Lemon uh, um, was the manager, and uh, it turned out great. Yeah, you were uh, between uh, so Almira for a bit, Double A with Harry Malmberg, who was quite the baseball man. Uh, what you know in the big leagues that year too? What, what was Almira like? That wasn't around very long as an affiliate. Well, what happened? What happened was one of our pitchers got injured, so they had to bring up a. Uh, uh, but they, they, there was no there was no disabled list in those days. It's kind of weird, I think. So they had to send somebody out. So I left for thirty days. And that happened all the time back in those days. I was there for 30 days, and then I got called right back up. Oh. Uh, and and um, when I got to Elmira, the minor league system that the Royals had was kind of geared after the Dodgers. Uh, they had uh, a, a manager and two coaches. They had a trainer. And most minor league teams, uh, except for the Dodgers, didn't have that. So they were... They were uh, gearing up for young players uh, to bring up to the big leagues. And I think that's why the Royals through the years have had good teams because they believe in the minor league system and the scouting system. And uh, that's what Elmira was like. And I got a chance to go down there. Uh, I played first base when I was there. Um, and it was a fun time, and then I got called back up to the big leagues. And you hit uh, two more big league home runs that year. Back-to-back games you hit them. I think that was actually the start of the season in April, maybe. But can you, uh, do you remember the pitchers on those? I've got those names, too, if you don't. One was Murphy, I think. Yeah, Tom Murphy, who I talked to a few weeks ago, and Chuck Dobson was the other one. Yeah, um, Murphy, um, we play, he lives out here, and we play a lot of golf tournaments together. And uh, for some reason, it was on the game of the week that I hit the home runs. Oh, let me tell you this game of the week story. Yeah. Okay. Are you there? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, like I told you before, Hal Cassell was my dad's roommate. So I hit this home run, and uh, we went by a big number or whatever. So the, um, the guy comes in and says, hey, Howard wants you on the game of the week. And it was a great honor because you got a watch that said player of the week, <laughs> and you got like $500, <clears throat> which was a great deal, again, in those days. So... I get up there, and, and, and Howard, I you know, put my uniform back on, and I go up there and talk to Howard, and he says, uh, Jimmy, the Jimmy campaign, I played a home run, blah, 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 and I guess the Angels, and he says, Jimmy, who was your dad's roommate in college? I said, it was you, Howard. And then he went on to talk about, you know, my dad and him. So he really, only reason he wanted me there was because I could tell him <laughs> that my dad was his roommate. <laughs> so, so, and... and so I get back up to the thing, and everybody says, why did Howard pick you? I said, well, he picked my dad. He didn't pick me. <laughs> I got the watch in the 500, so I was happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, that was, uh, go ahead. Do you, uh, do you have a copy of that on tape? I'd love to see that someday. Is that on YouTube or anything? Oh, I don't 
I have the copy of the, me hitting the home run. I don't know if, because he sent me, you know what he sent me? He, I asked him if I could, if he had a copy of that, and he sent me a 16 track. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, I'll stick those, you know, it's like a, you know, it's, it's, it looked like two books back to back. Yeah. <laughs> and it took, you know, it took me like five or six different people I talked to to get that down to a, to a, uh, uh, v VHS and then took it down finally my son took it down to a to a CD that's so boy, it, was a, it took a long time to get that thing handled and only like and it, because what they did they had cameras on the first base side cameras on the third base side cameras by home plate and everything else he gave me the camera on the first base side that had me hitting because you know that's how they did it in those days mm-hmm. so he gave me the picture and no sound of course because the sound was upstairs on the center field camera I guess so, you know, fixing that technology today is, I mean, you can get anything you wanted today, but that was a tough deal to get that thing handled. So Vintage, I love it. Now, you mentioned uh, Bob Lemon earlier. Uh, you know, the other guy, the, Charlie Metro, managed the Royals for a minute that year as well. How'd you like Metro and, and Lemon both? Well, um, <clears throat> Charlie was a disciplinarian, really, really. He checked rooms every night in spring training. He, he uh, if you drop the ball when you threw it around, you had to run a whole lap. I mean, he was, uh, it was like boot camp. <laughs> and I loved it. I'm one of those gamers that loved doing that kind of stuff. So I didn't, didn't bother me at all. But some of the stars, some of the guys that, you know, they didn't like it at all. Uh, and, <clears throat> and they voiced their opinion about it. <clears throat> That's what happened towards, you know, when, when we had a small losing streak. Boom. Charlie was gone and it, it came Bob. And Lemon was pretty pretty good guy. Great with pitchers and stuff. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, he was. Bob was the best. I played for him in Seattle. Yeah, and uh, Bob was the best. And when he, as soon as he got there, he, he said, "You're going to be my right hand pitch hitter. You're going to do this, you're that. You know, could you handle that part?" And I said, "Yeah, I have no problem with, with anything you want, Bob." And uh, that worked out great. So I was there almost the whole year, just at that one little thing when somebody got injured. And that's you know that's baseball. There's nothing you could do when you're the second string catcher, third string catcher, you know, utility guy. That's your role. You know, you go in and out. And hopefully when you get a chance to play, you can show what you can do and, and play a little bit. Now, I always hear, you know, that Municipal Stadium had the best playing surface anywhere in all of baseball. George Toma was the man on that. You know, what's what, you know when you think back to Municipal Stadium, what, what do you think of? I mean, the grass, obviously. What oh, else? George Toma was the best. Yeah. You know, he, he even asked uh, Rodriguez and I how we wanted the clay around home plate. Wanted if we wanted if we wanted it uh, more clay or less um, diamond dust or do we want more clay and uh, I mean uh, less clay and more diamond dust? So we sat down. He and I sat down together and we worked. Sat in, in got our cleats and the, the clay and everything else, and we picked out the exact way we wanted, and that's how he made it for us. <laughs> it was unbelievable. You know, um, Ellie said, "Which one lets the ball bounce true or when it hits the when it hits the ground?" He said, well, diamond dust will not put a spin on it. Clay will put a spin on it. So we had more diamond dust put in into the, and crushed brick put into the clay. And he, I mean, nobody ever asked us that, never, ever asked me, you know, or anybody that. But he was that good. He picked out the, and then, um, same thing on the mound. He, he wanted to know what the pitchers wanted. I mean, he was, he was way, way ahead of his time. I mean, way ahead of his time. Uh, Today I don't know what they would pay a guy like George to to do uh, you know 
groundskeeping at, at the ballpark because he was that good. Yeah, not enough, whatever it was. Then how about how about the area around that ballpark? You know, it's, it's obviously not the same or anywhere close to what it used to be. I mean, did you get, you know get some good barbecue after games? And what was it you know what was it like around there? Where'd you live at when you were here? All that good stuff. It's funny you should say barbecue. There's a there's a something called mutton, which I guess is old uh, lamb or old sheep. And guys, hey, we're gonna have some of this mutton. You got to come over there. Bob Oliver found the place. And he's gone. You gotta go, Jimmy. I said because I like barbecue. I said um, uh, mutton is supposed to be like rangy and old. And he goes, "Follow me." So we go over there, and we find out that and, and it was absolutely delicious. But what the guy does, he boils it for like about an hour, and to get all the fat and all the gristle and all the other stuff off it, then he soaks it in barbecue sauce and then puts it on the grill, and it is unbelievable. So we had the best barbecue in the world there. <laughs> Where and was that they, at? Do you remember? They, oh, I don't remember the name of it now. Oh, but it was close to the ballpark. It was within walking distance. So. Okay. And then, and then we did. The, uh, you know, I think that I, I you know, I, I tell people, you know, people don't around the United States don't know that Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri are right next to each other. Right. <laughs> you know, and they think that it's a small city because you know, I mean, at, at that time there might be two million and one, and, but together. I mean, it's it's probably in the top five or six cities because it's that's actually one city, mm-hmm. but it's in two different states, and and uh, and then so they don't think the Kansas City is as big as it is, but it is. I remember uh, at night we go to eat one of either Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas, Missouri. We lived in Overland Park, by the way. That's where we stayed. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had a house there. Uh, we all did. We all had houses same in the same area. Some guy came by and took a spare, and next thing you know, we're all renting the houses, Olin Park and, and Shawnee Mission right there. Very nice. Yeah. Um, but one of them closed, you know, food. You couldn't get food past 12, uh, 11 o'clock, and the other one you could get food till 2. So we'd always cross the border one way or another to get to get eat after the games were over. <laughs> That's yeah. great. What memories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So after 1970, then so you spent two years with the Royals. December 2nd, so a big blockbuster trade. Uh, a lot of guys involved in this, including you. It brings the Royals Freddie Potek from Pittsburgh. So, I mean, what were your thoughts on leaving Casey for Pittsburgh, and how'd you find that? You know, find out about that trade. Uh, I was in Winterball again, and my wife called me up and said, "You traded Pittsburgh, and the Pirates had Manny Sangian." And had a guy named Milt May, mm-hmm. who was um, who eventually he was a starting catcher. Was but but he was behind Sangian, and he would eventually be the starting catcher in San Francisco for seven eight years. And boy, it took the that was really a tough blow for me to 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 go from the Royals, who I had a chance to play there for years, I would think, to to Pittsburgh, where they got an all star catcher, and then another guy that. Could be an all-star catcher, and um, and it was a tough, tough. That was tough on me that I was traded, but that's how baseball goes. Well, well, you were with Pittsburgh from '71 to '74. You caught in Waterbury, Charleston, Sherbrooke, wherever that's at, and then 1973, six games for Pittsburgh. So your favorite memory is, you know, of all those four years of the Pirates. You know, what sticks out? Well. Spring training every year, I thought I was going to make the team. 
I thought every year I was going to make the team. And uh, especially when the first year when I went over there, uh, uh, Jerry May was the was the second string catcher. Mm-hmm. Behind, I mean, uh, was a third string catcher for the Pirates, and they traded him. So I thought they were going to keep three catchers because they had you know Sangian, Milt May, and I thought you know if they, if if they traded. Uh, Jerry May, I have a chance to be maybe the third year catcher because he went with three catchers every year. And Jerry was, a, uh, I mean, um, Milt was a left-hand hitter, and I was a right-hand hitter. And I thought maybe I'd be in the pitching world again. And they started to go with two, and that was that was it. Yeah. But the uh, in '73, it was kind of a funny thing. Um, they. They vote on it because with five or six games to go, we were like four games or three games ahead. So they awarded me like $5,000 if they got in the World Series. Um, not, a, not a quarter share, an eighth of a share. They, you know, they gave me uh, $5,000. We lost five or six in a row, and we ended up in third place. <laughs> and third place is 2500 so guys that were there all year got twenty five hundred, and because they awarded me five thousand, I got five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little loophole. I like it. Yeah, I said, well, you know, well, that was kind of funny. And my roommate was a guy named uh, Richie Zisk, and uh, uh, he ended up going on to having a just a stellar career. He was the first guy to sign a long term contract. Huh? Yeah, he signed a ten year contract. Wow. Well, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it's a lot of money, but I think it was for $4 million for 10 years, uh, which is 400000 a year. Today, I mean, that's nothing like it was in those days. Yeah, yeah. Well, so after 74 then, well, by the way, you hit 373 and then came back to 74 in Charleston. And, I mean, you're 30 years old, and, you know, I guess you just decided to retire at that point. Was that an easy decision for you? Well, um, as soon as I retired, I uh, <clears throat> I got a um, I met someone over the winter time, and he asked me if I had X amount of money, and I said I did. Next thing you know, I'm a I'm a Dodge dealer. <laughs> I bought a Dodge dealership. Yeah, um, and I ended up being the car business thirty four years after that. Oh, that's cool! I didn't know that. Yeah, and actually, I wasn't thirty. I was really. Oh yeah. <laughs> 32 or something 33 yeah yeah I, I was i was really my wife finally caught up to me i really finally, you know, finally uh, i love that story but, but yeah that's what we do and like i said so I, I i got into the car business and uh as an owner i started at the top and uh four or five years later i i sold it for a lot of money and i stayed in the car business and i had i had a pretty good run with the uh and then I and then uh, um, Peter O'Malley called me up and said I'm starting this thing here with the guy that's called um, uh, it was, well it had a different bunch of names but Community Services uh, you know Alumni Club or whatever they want to call it so I did four or five of us made speeches you know on a, all all over the place I don't know does Kansas City have that yeah I don't know I don't think so okay because that. That was a, it was really good because we would go to little league openings, we would go to high schools, we'd go to colleges, we'd go all over the place and uh, push push the Dodgers. And 
it was kind of good for now. We have 18 of us doing that. I guess they, well, we have the ca- they have the caravan here where they go around from town to town to town. So kind of the same thing. I, mean, I guess it's kind of along the same lines. Yeah, but so, you know, you know it, how, how many little leagues are there? We we go to every little league opening. And that was a, one time I did four in one day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know that it, it's especially in small towns in in in, uh, in the Kansas and Missouri area that might work out good for the for the team. Yeah. Definitely. Baseball's definitely, you know, back alive here again. Now we got to brag a little bit uh, about your son then. So tell us, you know, about Jimmy Jr. Tell us about his career and, you know, all that good stuff. Well, Jimmy was a, um, uh, as a young kid, he was a really good athlete. Uh, in high school, he he was a um, all-Southern California quarterback and shortstop. And he had scholarships all over the place. Uh we took a we took a, a 50-50 scholarship football and baseball to go to USC. And uh, when he got there, he went all the way through training camp for football and everything else. And then they, the NCAA thought that SC was doing something funny, so they made him make a decision: either you're going to be you going to be ineligible to play baseball for two years, or you can be ineligible to play football for two years. Which way do you want to go? And Rod Dado, the he got coach from uh baseball coach said no 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 he's gonna play baseball uh that's why i got him you know they wanted to give him a heavy football scholarship because he was a pretty good football player also he, he was a quarterback and he 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 kicked extra uh you know kicked field goals he ended up going as a, a baseball and he had a really good career at sc his uh, he broke a lot of mcguire's records um he ended up hitting uh, 394 his junior year and, and knocked in 92 runs in 67 games. Jeez. Yeah, drafted in the third round. Uh, was on the Olympic team. Uh, they got a gold medal. And signed for six figures and went out and played. That's cool. We, nice nice career then. And in case she hears that, you have a daughter too, right? I have two daughters and another son. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Well, I <laughs> They all they all played. My one son, my last son, did did what I didn't want to do. He ended up playing football, University of Redlands, and uh, uh, shaved his head. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, he ended up being pretty big. Uh, was a tight end. Had a good career there. They won the small school, so he's got a ring. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, he had a great time. Very very nice. Well, let's uh, let's circle back and finish off then with your uh, with your Royals days. Then, so any, any of your uh, old Royals teammates, do you stay in touch with anymore? Um, every time that uh, Penelope come to town, I you know he and I go to dinner or you know something like that. But most of the guys are uh, Cookie Rojas when he was managing the, uh, uh, the Angels. Uh, he and I would see each other about once a week. Um, you know, we're all in our. 70s or older now, so yeah. uh, Jack occasionally I would see Jack when when he was uh, you know especially with the Padres. Um, I get a call from uh, I talk to Ellie Rodriguez every now and then. He's back in Puerto Rico, but the uh, the that one year our first year there was probably the best year I had in all the years I played. Really, everyone. All, oh, yeah, all of us were kind of, uh, we're all, we were, most of us had played the big leagues, but had not really, were not really stars, uh, and we got a, like a second chance with the Spanish Royals, 
And we were, every one of us, every single one of us were delighted with the Kaufmans, with the, with Cedric Tallis, with the ownership. We were first class all the way. I mean, a lot of guys, the Dodgers were first class, so I had experienced that. And the, the Royals were definitely, you know, we traveled well, we did a lot of things, uh, you know, they gave the catchers three home uniforms, three road uniforms. Uh, if you wanted a new hat, you just walked in and got a new hat. I mean, they did everything first class. And that was a, and even in spring training where they try to skip a little bit because they don't make any money for spring training, they treated us unbelievable. They put a dozen sanitary socks in, in your locker a week. I mean, you know, there's only seven days you wear them, but they would put a dozen in there. I mean, very sometimes, you know, some teams like in Pittsburgh, you have to walk up and beg the guy for one pair to play for that day, <laughs> you know. Uh, but but the, the, the Royals, they did everything. Uh, they gave us cars in spring training. They, they took care of us. Um, when, the, when the guy with the glove contract, you know, the guys with the gloves, Rawlings or Wilson or, uh, or Spalding came by, they stopped practice. We all going over there and, you know, and picked out our gloves and, you know, and I, I remember picking out one of the gloves and, and, um, and Joe Gordon said, they can't be, get a first baseman, third baseman glove too. <laughs> I said, yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, so I, I did because they're all, you know, they're always free because you have a, a contract. That's so and, cool. And uh, they were, it was, of course, I can't say enough about Mr. Coffin. During the All-Star break, my wife uh, had some female problems. And so she was in the hospital getting uh, a small operation. And because I did not make the All-Star team, I was there also with her. And I was sitting there, and Mr. and Mrs. Coffin both walked into the room. Uh, I mean, that's kind of cool that the owner of the team would come in and, and, you know, see if my wife was okay. I mean, I, I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it because it was way, be, you know, beyond, uh, you know, it, it was a great, you know, feeling that they thought enough of me and, and being a player that they would come out to see my wife. That's great. And of course, you've heard thousands of stories about Mr. Coughlin, right? Yeah, they're all true. It sounds like everyone I talked to confirms them. You know how great of a man he was, and first class, and wanted to wanted to win, hated to lose, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was the best. And then of course the yeah. uh, the Royals Academy came along later. That was obviously big. Frank White and all those guys came out of there. Ron Washington. So, you know that's pretty cool. I thought I I thought that that was going to be a, a much better deal than it ended up, um, because they were going to get track stars and get these kind of guys and those kind of guys. And and it came down to one thing: those guys were great athletes. It just that they couldn't hit. Yeah, um, I think I think that's a God-given talent. You know, uh, you know, ball coming 100 miles an hour, and you got to you know make contact with it. It's, it's. I mean, Michael Jordan tried to play for two years, probably the greatest athlete on the planet, and he just couldn't hit. Yeah. Uh, so it's. Uh, and, and, it, and, you know, we got Amos Otis, uh, and Amos showed up, and, and I said, look at this string beat. How in the heck is this guy? And in none of that, he used a big bat and ended up being an outstanding ball player. <laughs> you know I mean? Outstanding for Kansas City. Yeah. By the way, you know, you know, we always got out. Do you remember when uh, 
when um, uh, Pete Rose ran over Fosse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The we we got on Amos because Amos was the center fielder that threw that ball in. Oh, really? Fosse. I didn't know. So we that. got on him all the way. If you, I said, if you were a little quicker, Fosse would still be a star. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hey, have you have I mean, you been perfect, back here, by the way? Yeah, we they invited us back. Um, I think ten or fifteen years uh, after we played, we beat Minnesota the first two games, uh, and so they recreated the first the first game with Minnesota, and we had a. a, a we came out and 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 played an old timers game with Minnesota, and they, coincidentally, they made they did it the day that Pinella was in town with the team he was managing. Oh. So so Pinella got to play for us, you know, and uh, uh, it was a fun time. We had a good time. They treated us first class. Uh, I'm just gonna I guess we're gonna wait for the 50 year reunion, and then we're all gonna come back. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's I never heard about that real redoing that game. That's cool. Um, yeah. Well, they I, gave I, us they gave us uniforms. <clears throat> And usually, when you get a uniform from a, you know something like that, you, you give it back. And they gave us a home uniform and a road uniform, and he told us we could have them. I said, "Wow, because it's still first class." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I guess last thing, if you'd be willing to, there's about maybe nine or ten guys you may not know a lot about a lot of these guys, but would you be willing? There's you know, some guys that aren't with us any longer that I wanted to ask you about that you played with here in Kansas City. Would you be willing to tell us what you remember about some of these guys before we let you go, real quick here? Okay, now some of these guys, like I said, maybe you'll have memories, maybe you won't, because some of these guys are kind of obscure, but uh, Don O'Reilly? Uh, was, that, was that the pitcher? Yep, pitcher, yep. Yeah. I had a great curveball, a little crazy, chew tobacco, <laughs> fitter all over, all over his uniform. Uh, nice guy. Uh, let's see. I think you played this guy in the minor leagues, too. Juan Rios was a middle infielder? Uh yeah, um, tall, thin guy, um, had a great arm, had a lot of range, uh, and a uh, nice guy, too. I'm glad, I'm glad you remember him. He, he, used to say, he used to say to me, Campani, I really like you. You never talk behind my neck. <laughs> behind my neck. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you remember him because he's one of the guys that I, nobody ever seems to remember him, so that's good that we got something about him. Um, yeah. How about uh, Pat Kelly? First time I saw Pat Kelly, uh, first first game in, in spring training, he burned the ball in front of home plane. I picked it up, and I threw him out at first. And he ran down there like 2.9 or 2.7. He goes, how in the hell did you do that? I said, because I threw it down there in 2.6. <laughs> and after that, we became good friends and good base stealer. Uh, his brother was Leroy Kelly, yeah, the, the famous football player. And Leroy, would, would, when we go into Cleveland to play, Leroy would show up, and he'd walk in the clubhouse. And boy, was there a difference between the two of them. Pat was a, you know, thin, uh, wiry, a tall outfielder, and his brother was a, just a fire plug and big muscles and everything else. And uh, and that was the difference between the two of them. Another guy you probably remember because he was a catcher is Bob Hawk Taylor. Hawk was our number one pinch hitter. Um, he was a, probably 10 years older than the rest of us. He was... He had already played like 10 years in the big leagues by the time he came to us. But he had a knack. Um, he probably hit 400 as a pitch hitter. He was our guy. 
I really admired him, too, because <clears throat> he hit so well, and he never got a chance to play. Uh, he never caught, ever. I mean, uh, Ellie and I did most of the catching and, and other guys, but he, because uh, he was such a valuable player as a pinch hitter, he could pinch hit against anybody and take good hacks at the ball. Why was he not very good defensively? Like, why did they not catch him more throughout his years? Because I think the reason why they did is that, like I said, he, I, mean, I was like 24, 25, uh, and he was like 35. And I, you couldn't build a, a, a team around him because he was, you know, you didn't think he had any more time left. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but they kept, every year he was our pinch hitter. Every year he was our pinch hitter because he did so well. At the pitcher, so he was great to have on the team. Plus, he was a nice guy. Um, he would talk to the uh, to the pitchers and stuff like that. He sat down the bullpen all the time. Never sat on the bench of the bullpen because you know. And he did he did a great job for us. He really did. How about uh, Jerry Adair? Jerry Adair was old when he got to us too. Um, good, 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 good uh, double play guy. He could make the double play. Uh, as good as anybody, world's ugliest man. <laughs> uh, 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 but it, uh, couldn't run at all, but could hit hit the ball the other way and get the runner over. Could bunt well. Good teammate. Good guy to have on your team. Uh, Joe Foy. Um, Joe Foy was our he was our number one guy. He was the first guy that was picked. Um, first hitter that was picked. And he had a tremendous first year with us. Good power, good defense. Uh, he played really, really well for us. Um, he was a little quirky, and we ended up trading him for Amos Otis. Um, and I think Amos ended up being a, one of our big stars for a long time. Uh, Joe was very muscular. Uh, and tremendous, tremendous power, and a good team guy on your team. Uh, and then sometimes he'd get a little quirky. This is probably later on after he left us. But when he was with us, he was okay. Uh, last four guys. How about uh, this guy's a little bit more, a little bit more obscure? Do you remember Chris Zachary at all? Yes. Really? Oh, good. Pitcher. Pitcher. Yep. yep. And uh, uh, he also he had a pretty good break in pitches. Um, he. He wore a size eight hat. Uh, <laughs> a big head, huh? Yeah, big head. Um, nice guy. Uh, one of our middle, middle relief kind of guys, and uh, uh, he had a pretty good career. Man, you you do remember this stuff? Well, I'm impressed. How about? Uh, it was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, how about uh, Mo Drabowski? Mo Drabowski was our big, big time reliever. He just came over from Baltimore. They just won a couple of World Series. Um, and the thing I remember most about him, Mo would always want you to sit two feet outside. You, your my left leg when I was on the outside part of the plate was not even over the plate. That's where he wanted you to sit. Hmm. It was the umpire would say, "Where the hell are you going?" I guess this is where he wants you to sit. He had a, and then it, and then when he threw the ball inside, he almost has to dive inside to, to get to the ball. <laughs> I mean, but he had he was our he was our number one reliever and. Uh, 
the only thing I didn't like about Mo was that I was number 25, and he took 25 because he was a bigger star than I was. <laughs> and then when he got traded my second year, I got 25. So I was happy to see him go so I'd get my number back. <laughs> did they you know, did, did they give you something in those days? Because now they'll like pay you or something or give you something for your number. Did you get anything for that, or did they not do that back then? No, he just he got traded, and I just took his number. Oh, he, okay, I, he had it before I, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, he, he when he got there, he got twenty five. Oh, so I had number, yeah. Okay. So I got number twenty, and then as soon as he got traded, I got twenty five again. Okay, I thought. Okay, I got you now. Uh, so I was married. I was married, I was married September twenty fifth. So I might forget the month, but I won't forget the day. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, I, I think I'm pronouncing this right? Aurelio Montaguido, right? Montenegro. Ah, I can't ever get that name right. Shoot. Okay, anything of him? He's. I think he's Cuban. He was Cuban. Dark hair, stocky build, had a great slider, uh, worked real, real hard, always was in the outfield chasing balls down, uh, had a uh, had a uh, real burning desire to be a star. Um, he, he never turned out to be a big star, but he took his, his, his ability a long, long way. He really did. And... Uh, uh, He's one of those guys. If you made a made a bad pitch or someone hit a home run, he beat himself up really bad. So when he come back to the dugout, we had to peel him off the ceiling. To, but he wanted to be, and he worked real hard at being a, a good major league player pitcher. Uh, Ted Abernathy. Uh, yeah, uh, tall, thin pitcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, threw from kind of. Sidearm, not not low like Tacovi, but kind of a sidearm pitcher. Um, another guy that was not a handsome guy. Uh, <laughs> in those days, we we said those things about each other all the time. You know, um, uh, I remember one day uh, with Jerry Adair. Jerry was getting on somebody about something, and, and the guy says to Jerry, Jerry had a, uh, like a pock face, a little bit on his face. And he said, Jerry, when you die, I want you to leave me your face. Will me your face. He goes, what for? He says, because I need another pair of alligator shoes. <laughs> Who said that? Do you remember? That's hilarious. I know, but that's, you know, that's, that's how we did it in those days. We joked with each other, you know. And uh, and, and, and even the star, I mean, the, 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 everybody joked with everybody. So it wasn't, you know, only a couple of things were, you know, taboo. You couldn't say about the family or the wife or anything like that. But everything else was fun. <laughs> The last, you know, yeah. <laughs> the last guy is. I, I think you only pitched with this guy for like two games, or you know, but he had a long, long career. Did you know Paul Splodorf at all? Oh yeah, Paul was Paul was our star. He was going to be our star. Paul had Kershaw type stuff. He in spring training we saw him in spring training every year, and we knew we don't know why he wasn't in the big leagues right away. He had tremendous, tremendous ability. Um, he had a rising fastball. He had a little bit of a cutter. Great, great curveball. Good height. Uh, I mean, he was tall. Um, he ran the ball up there. Uh, we all thought he was going to be a star someday, and he ended up being a star. And uh, a nice, nice, nice guy. Uh, he had, uh, they, they, you know, he wore glasses. And they tried him with contact lenses. They tried him with everything. And he would rip them out, put his glasses back on. And because he was such a star, they, they let him do it. <laughs> um, nice guy, though. Really nice guy. And, and 
Do you have some of his statistics there at all? I could get them. I don't have them in front of me. Yeah, he had, he had some great okay. years, though. Oh, he had some great years. Yeah, he was. we knew that he was going to be a star. And, you know, they did something that was very smart. It's, you know, it's better to bring up a guy one year later than one year too soon. Because if he, if he came up one year too soon, he might not have, you know, blossomed well because, you know, but he, they gave him another year in AAA, and, and he came on, and when he got to the big leagues, he was, you could tell right away he was going to be our star. Uh, yeah. Our pitcher, and he was. And, uh, uh, you know, all these guys were my friends. I, you know, and as you get older, you accept it, but you don't like it. You know, when you read about your friends passing away, um, you know, it is what it is, but it every time you, you hear something that brings back shocks and shocks of memories of good times that you guys had together as, as teammates and players. And it's, uh, you know, one of the sad things about baseball is that you become so close. You're with each other, not 162 games, but there's another two months of spring training. You know, so you really gather about almost 225, 250 days a year that you're with these guys every single day. And the bond that you have as a player is different than someone that you just meet, you know, or, or you work with. This is an everyday thing. Uh, you know, you, you take showers together. You go after the games, you eat together. You know, uh, single guys that chase girls together. Uh, you know, some guys play poker together. It's just a, it's a, and, and when it happens, it's very, very tough on you. Um, and, uh, you know, but this is the way life is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, the bond of baseball, too, because you think, well, you know, you play 10 years, you play 12 years, and you live to be 70 or 80. So there's 70 years you do something other than baseball. <laughs> but, but in, you know, all of us, we talk about all the time, all the guys that play golf with their ex-baseball players. To this day, I mean, I was in car business 40 years. To this day, I'm former Major League Baseball player. It's yeah. just. It's in your. It's what you did because as you, when I was a seven-year-old kid, I wanted to play in the big leagues. And when you end up doing a kid's game, you end up staying that way. It's such an addicting, you know, great game. I'm just addicted to it. I can't get an. It's like every year I love it more. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Same with me. I, and the, you know, I look at the young guys that come up, and I look at the the old guys how they're hanging in there. The guys today are. You know, they talk about well, well the ball players better in your day. The ball players today. You know, we go to winter ball, or the guys that would live back east, they wouldn't do anything. Today, you know, the, the day the season ends, the next day they start working out. They start cross-training. They start lifting weights. They start doing things that we never did. That's why the players today hit the ball so far. They throw the ball so hard because they work at it, and, and they wouldn't let us lift weights in, in, in my day. They wouldn't let us swim They wouldn't because they thought that was bad. Now they figure out they figured out through the years that it's not bad, and you know today's athletes going to break all the records. Uh, maybe not all the records because I don't know if a 56 game hitting streak is going to going to happen because that's really tough to do. Or the Ripken with that, you know. Pardon me. Or the Cal Ripken, you know, because of contracts, people need days off and they get babied more, so that probably will never get broken either. Well, yeah, if Cal, you know, Cal did it in, in, in our era. You know, so, but the other way, the other thing, the, you know, all the other ones, the home runs and the uh, batting averages and everything, I think someday will. The amazing part of me is how many guys have thrown the ball over 100 miles an hour. 
Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, Shoshani's got had three starters that threw the ball, <laughs> throw the ball 100 miles an hour. Yeah, the Chapman. Okay. Yeah. Kansas City's got a couple of guys. I mean, everybody. I mean, that used to be 90 miles an hour. Used to be like, wow, the guy can really throw. Now, all these kids are are throwing harder. You think they'll be a 300 game winner again? Um, I think so. I think so because uh, uh, the reason why I think there will be is that even today they, you know, if you go five or six innings and they take you out, you know, you can still win fifteen to twenty games a year. You're just gonna have to pitch for twenty years to do it. Right, have a good bullpen too, right? <laughs> right, and that's the whole deal. Uh, you know, Colfax, you know, won 190 games or something in the Hall of Famer. But in those 190 games, one year you're 27 and two. <laughs> I mean, and Yogi Berra said, "How do you ever lose those two games?" You know, and uh, one year he one year he had 27 complete games. My God, wonder what you'd have to pay somebody today if they won if they completed 27 games. Like all the money in the world. <laughs> it's just about right. Uh, right. By the way, I I found split real quick here. 166 wins. Three eight one career ERA, seventeen shutouts, eighty eight complete games. First Royals twenty game winner back in seventy three. So quite the career for yeah. for split. Yeah, he was he was our guy. I mean, he, I mean, we knew it when we saw him too. We knew that he was the, he was going to be the he was going to be the guy. You know, you could just see what some of the way somebody his wind up and how he released the ball. And I don't think he had a, a sore arm his whole career. Uh-huh. Uh, the way he threw the ball, you know, it was right over the top, fluid motion, uh, nice guy. Uh, I think he's from somewhere back east or something. Uh, Iowa, actually. Uh-huh. Or uh, yeah, Morning yeah. College, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and his, uh, his, family, uh, his family treated him, I mean, uh, did a great job on him because he was such a nice kid. Totally. Such totally. a nice kid, yeah. And, you know, and, and usually if, if it was someone else that, you know, they didn't make the big leap that that early. They might have been mad or upset. Didn't bother him. He knew he knew what he was going to do, and he when he got to the big leap, he did it. And he was such a good broadcaster too after his career. You know, like twenty oh, years. Everything. Yeah. But, well, he had such a smooth demeanor too. You know, he was nice, even keeled. Never got mad. You know, uh, we never thought that Lupinello would ever manage in the big leap <laughs> because he was screaming, holler, and yell. <laughs> and he ended up being. a Great management had won a World Series with Cincinnati, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you just never know what's inside of somebody. <laughs> totally true. Well, I guess the very last question I have for you is, you know, what would you like to say to Royals fans listening right now? This is our year. Yes. I'm serious. We have, we have a – and we're only 11 games out right now in first place, so, you know, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but I think that this is our year. I, I all, Everything lines up – they, you know, in, in the right order, they played last year. This year's, I think, is the year that we're going to, you know, go all the way. That's and I'd like to and just come out to the stadium and watch these guys play because you got some really, really good players this year. You think it's going to be Royals Dodgers? Uh, well, if the Dodgers make it, I hope it's not the Royals because I think they would beat us. But uh, if it is the Royals Dodgers, it'll be a, it'll be a blue blue series. I know that. Because those uniforms are the same as the same as ours. Pretty uniforms. It may be the best ever. <laughs> yes, it. I, I just I just think that they have a uh, the you know the the bullpen 
the starting, the, the players' defense. I think they have a chance this year. Well, you know, they got there last year. They're gonna, they can, they can, this year they're, you know, they just win four more games at the end and that's it. Yeah, they're, they're the. And the, and the, and the fans, by the way, the fans are one of the best fans in all of baseball. Even when you were here you know, too? It, they were. They, we were, you know, we're an expansion team and they came in groves out to see us. They had, you know, they really, um, I mean, I'd walk through town and people would say, you know, say hello, and they'd come over to you. They were happy they were there. Um, well, you know, the Midwest people are always nice people anyway. So and it's not like they're from, you know, uh, Philadelphia or somewhere where they, you know, <laughs> they, they, they boo the national anthem. I mean, you know. It's just, and Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, right. Boo Santa Claus. It's, the people in Kansas City, you know, Missouri and Kansas, are always, they've always been great people in it. You know, it it shows it in their in their team and everything else. So, well, and by the way, yeah. thank you for this phone call. Uh, brought back ten thousand memories. You brought up names I haven't thought about in years. And uh, every once in a while, it's good to to reminisce like this because it 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 you know brings back feelings of uh, you know when I played and great memories in Kansas City. Uh, and I keep. Get back to Kaufman, that he was one of the main reasons why I think uh, the organization is what it is today because he was the leader. Uh, one after the first year in Kansas City, uh, the second year in, in spring training, he showed that we lost a million three, and he said something. At this rate, I can only keep a team here for 392 more years. <laughs> <laughs> we said, okay, we we get it. <laughs> it's not you know. Uh, he didn't care about the money. He just wanted us to have a winning team, and that's you know you have an owner like that, and, and you got you go on play for him as hard as you play for anybody. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just glad that you were able to play here, and you're in the record books as a royal, and glad to hear that you're doing well. And you know, definitely, uh, let's stay in touch, and hopefully, you know, we'll, well see. I want you to look in. I, w- I want you to look in the record books and find out the number of the first pinch hit by a Kansas City Royal. It was so. It was you, huh? Because I know it was Keo had the game winner, but you had the first hit. First hit, first pinch hit, knocked <laughs> in a run. I love it. I love it. Yeah, right. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, let's get you back out here one of these days. Let's stay in touch. And uh, I mean, seriously, thanks so much for this. Has been great. You, you told great stories, and I'm, I'm I'm impressed how well your your brain's hanging in there. And you know, you know, nobody knows how old you are, I guess, but you know, however old you may be, <laughs> <laughs> however old you may be right now. <laughs> right. I. I, I well, as soon as I started to collect the Social Security, I got to the right age. <laughs> in the major league pension, I got to the right age. <laughs> I love it. You're like the Danny Almonte, the Little League guy that was like four years you know, older than he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back so, in the day. I want to thank you again for, for this conversation. I had a good time, and uh, you're doing a great job. Thank you. We'll stay in touch, and God bless, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Okay, take care.